Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mountains of Magic podcast, your place for Walt Disney World planning tips and tricks. And today we're finishing up for a while my chat about Disneyland. This is going to be episode 124, 10 Things I Didn't Know About Disneyland. Thanks so much for being here and listening in. And thank you if you stuck with me through my last episode. Um, Episode 123, if you want to go back and listen, was my Disneyland trip report. And it was so long. And I realized afterwards that I just like word vomited everything we did and every ride we went on and almost gave y'all a play-by-play. But that's what I do when I'm excited. I just want to share every little thing. So I hope if you listened to that one, you got some helpful nuggets out of it. But thank you to all of you who have been listening, who've been leaving those ratings and reviews. Super helpful to help others find the podcast. And please, if it's been a while since you've rated, um, I think you can go back and do it again. Leave a written review if you've never done that before. Before, and I'll be sure to read it on the podcast. But today we are talking about 10 things that I didn't know um, about Disneyland until we got there. And I shared on the last episode that I definitely did my research. Um, I really enjoy following some people, you know, on Instagram that are in the parks just about every day and can give you some kind of, you know, in the know knowledge. Um, So that's a lot of what I did. I also found a couple podcasts that I really enjoyed and I'll share them with you in case you are planning a Disneyland trip and just want some of that, you know, constant news and know-how. One of them is called Rope Drop and Park Hop. I really like that one. And the other one is Disneyland Forever with the number four. So those were both great podcasts to kind of get me ramped up and ready for our Disneyland vacation. And some of these things maybe I heard or I just didn't, you know, you don't quite know until you're in the moment experiencing them. So hopefully if you're a Disney Worlder like me, never been to Disneyland, you've done your research, maybe these are just a few things that slip through the cracks that you can be in the know about. Okay, number one. I don't spend like a ton of time on Main Street at Disney World. Um, But we're definitely, you know, we're there midday, we kind of end up there. You know, I know how things work. I feel like at Disneyland, also because the street itself is a little bit narrower, they were just driving a ton of things through the road. Um, So there was one day that we took a midday break, and I think we were coming back into Disneyland, you know, kind of that three, four o'clock time frame. And there was like a little bus behind us kind of honking at us. There's like a horse-drawn carriage going the other way. There was just a lot, and I felt like that was difficult. Because again, Main Street itself is just a little bit narrower in Disneyland. So first thing in the morning at Rope Drop, no, they're not doing this like they would crush people. But just be weary of that. It's not a big deal. It doesn't change your vacation. But this was the thing that surprised me at the San Diego Zoo as well. In California, I guess they just like to drive things through walkways at people. Okay, um, Sticking with transportation, if you want to call, you know, Main Street horse and buggies that, um, the monorail at Disneyland. 
Let me tell you my experience with the monorail. So I shared in the last episode, the monorail goes from downtown Disney, kind of at one end of it near the Disneyland Hotel, which is nice because that's where we were staying, um, to Tomorrowland. 90% of the time when we walked by this monorail station in downtown Disney, it said the monorail is closed. And there were cast members sitting there, like, you know, working there. This was their shift, but the monorail was closed. Um, Another time, we were going to ride it about 9 a.m. to get into the parks, and we walked over. Because it's taking you directly into the park, you actually, like, have to scan your park ticket to get on the monorail. And they said it's going to be 30 minutes until it comes. Y'all, I rode this monorail. The one time I got on it was a morning that I went over to Disneyland by myself and was coming back about 8.30 to get the family. I rode it from Tomorrowland to the downtown Disney location. I could not have been on that monorail more than two minutes. I was the only person on it. It was great. But I don't understand how it was going to take 30 minutes for a monorail to get back to us. That just seemed a little bit unreasonable. So I just share that to say I would not count on the monorail as a form of transportation. Maybe it was just having a bad week while we were there, but it it was never up and running. So we just always walk through downtown Disney. Just something to keep in mind. If you are an avid Disneyland goer and you ride that thing all the time, maybe it was just a real bad week. But it was never up and running for us. Uh, Next thing I did not realize. So I heard like the churros are great. The churros are fantastic. But I didn't realize how many churro carts there were. They go hardcore on the churro carts out at Disneyland. I love it because each one can kind of get you a different, you know, little flavoring. One thing that I didn't love. So I don't like a plain churro. Um, We had the Fluffernutter one out there. That was like one of my must-get snack items. So that was delicious. We grabbed that in DCA. But then they just have like, you know, the big churros they hand you. And they don't have any dipping sauces for those. And I'm very much like a caramel girl to dip my churro in. And any of the carts, if we just got like a plain churro, most of the time, now again, could be wrong. There could be that card out there that has a little side of caramel that I wanted, but all they could really offer was whatever their specialty churro was, you know, those kind of sauces. They didn't have anything extra, but if you're wanting a churro, it, you know, they say you don't walk more than like a few steps to get a trash can everywhere. It's kind of like that with a churro. I feel like lots and lots of churro carts to choose from. All right, we'll stick with food for a second. The hotels, Um, I did a quick walkthrough of all three of them. So we were staying at the Disneyland Hotel. There are only three technically Disney-owned on-property hotels. The other two are the Grand Californian. That's kind of a step up, a price point up from Disneyland Hotel. And then you have the newly in the midst of being remodeled Pixar Pier, um, which is a little bit of a price point down from Disneyland Hotel, just for context. So I walked over over to the other two one morning just to kind of peruse, get the lay of the land, see where things are. And something that was really a big change for me coming from Disney World is that there are not like food court situations in these hotels. 
Um, so I'm used to, you know, the quick service at like the value or the moderate hotels where you kind of walk in. It's a big open area. There's different little stations you can go to and, you know, get what you want. Um, at the values, it's everything from pizza, pasta, burgers, fish, like all kinds of stuff, ice cream. They do not have that out at Disneyland. So there at Disneyland Hotel, there was Tongaroa Terrace. This was your um, quick service option, but it was open from like 7 to 10. The menu was kind of limited and Polynesian inspired. You could mobile order um, or you could, you know, sit down and they'd take your order for you if you wanted to do that at the Grand Californian, there was another kind of little quick service spot there um, and a few more. Both Disneyland Hotel and Grand Californian have some like sit down, nicer table service restaurants as well. And then it picks our pier. And if there's something that I missed, y'all tell me. Y'all, it was so sad. So it is still undergoing like lots of renovation and things like that. But there is literally just a room with a sign outside that says vending. And you walk in and it's just a bunch of vending machines. And I think that's the only food option over there. Like even your coffee came out of this little like swipe your card machine. It was sad. And I would have been really sad to pay not what appear to be discounted prices to stay there and that to be my food option. Um, I will say what I think Disneyland Hotel relies heavily on is their room service. So they do have a pretty extensive room service menu. Um, I may be wrong, but it may be open 24 hours a day. If not, it's at least open later than 10 p.m. that Tongaro Terrace was. So that was an option. There was lots of yummy sounding food on there at a premium cost for sure. But that was a big surprise because I'm very much a love the food core at my Disney World hotel um, and doing that quick service and kind of getting food, you know, early in the morning into late at night. And that just wasn't how Disneyland operates, I guess. All right, sticking with a hotel thing I didn't know, um, parking for our hotel, it just felt a little bit far. Um, but I guess in retrospect, it's very similar to the deluxe resorts at Disney World. A lot of those don't have parking all the way around the building. It's just kind of in one area near the front lobby. You park, you do whatever. This wasn't a big deal because we literally did not touch our car the whole three days we were there. Um, but there's no parking near your tower at the Disneyland Hotel or anything like that. It may have been a little bit more fluid at the other two, but just for us at Disneyland Hotel, there was kind of one spot where you parked. You had to trek a little far if you were kind of deep into that lot to get to the front, but hopefully you're not doing a lot of back and forth to your car at Disneyland because everything park-wise is walkable. All right, these last few I have are all about the parks themselves. Um, what number am I on? Six, I think. Yeah. Number six thing I didn't know. <laughs> Y'all, that castle is so small. I know. All right. I knew that. I knew the castle was small. I'd seen other people's reaction. Everyone said it was small. Everyone who loved Disneyland is like, oh, get over it. Like, our castle is great. But y'all, it's so 
tiny. My story to kind of put it into a perspective for people is on our final night, I wanted to watch a little bit of fireworks from Main Street. We are not camp out hours before right at the front people. I will go back, 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 back on Main Street. I don't care. See some projections, see some fireworks, whatever it may be. Um, Also know at Disneyland, they don't do fireworks every night because they're right in the middle of like residential Anaheim. So weekends, a lot of times are the only time you're going to get fireworks. So I'm standing back there on Main Street. I end up with a spot kind of right in the middle, pretty far back, but I can see the baby castle. Okay. (laughs) Sleeping Beauty's castle. Um, And I see it. It's great. An uh, like six foot tall man. So a little tall steps in front of me, not being rude, just that's where his family found a spot. The castle could no longer be seen. I couldn't see a thing. Um, And so there went my view of the castle. Now, of course, I could see the fireworks. I could see the projections on Main Street. But just having kind of an average size man stand in front of me, there was no turret. There was no flag. There was nothing left to see on the castle. And so it is a big change if you're coming from World. Um, Also, I don't give Disney World enough credits for the whole weenie system. If you don't know, that's what they call kind of that park icon, the castle, the tree of life, um, you know, Spaceship Earth at Epcot, Hollywood Studios, there's kind of debate, is it Tower of Terror, is it the Chinese Theater, whatever. But those things really orient you. They're kind of central spots in the park for the most point. And so if you kind of get lost, like you see that and you know, oh, this is the way back to center. There's none of that at Disneyland. (laughs) You're not you're not seeing the castle from anywhere. Um, so, yeah, if you know that it's small, just imagine smaller than what you think. I love you, my Disneyland people, if that castle is your home and your sweet spot, but it is tiny. All right. Next thing I didn't know park wise is I couldn't understand how this was going to feel immersive in the middle of Anaheim. Um, we driving down to San Diego before we started the Disneyland portion of our trip, we kind of drove right by it there on the highway. And I could see some of the good neighborhood hotels. And I could see some of those good neighbor hotels that I knew were like right there near the entrance to Disneyland and California Adventure. So I knew I was close, but all I really saw was like a little mountain of like Galaxy's Edge. I really couldn't see much. And I think maybe we saw like the Matterhorn. So I really expected to go into the parks and feel, you know, see some semblance of the outside world, but I really did not. Even the way um, they have kind of multiple security checkpoints, if you're staying at one of the Disney-owned hotels, you're going to hit security like right before you enter downtown Disney to walk through to get to the parks, or the Green Californian has its own special um, security checkpoint. But even if you go to kind of the other side of the entrance of the parks where that security is, like it still feels like you're in the Disney bubble to me. So that was really cool. Um, You know, Disney World obviously is its own bubble. It's its own little city, but you still really get that immersive feel in the middle of Anaheim. And it's really cool that they've done that. All right. Number seven thing that I didn't realize is a lot of these line queues 
are outside at Disneyland. And it makes perfect sense. A lot of these rides have been around for a long, long time. Um, And when they first started the park, they didn't expect these millions of people, I'm sure, to be coming through and standing in line. Um, The first row... The first ride that we actually rode in Disneyland was Mr. Toad's. And y'all, the queue for that was like a single little snake. Like, I promise we walked through that queue in 10 seconds. That's all there was before it was like, get on the ride. And so they have to do a lot of kind of snaking and outdoor things for especially some of these older rides. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, in Disney World, we have all of that extensive indoor queue that we're used to going through. Again, it is a very short indoor portion of the queue out at Disneyland. They're doing a lot of snaking for you outside of the ride itself. So we were there in October, like the weather, it was kind of warm. It was a a hot little patch. It was in the 90s. But just, you know, expect that if you're going in a hotter time, lots of direct sunlight. It is definitely different from the Florida heat, but there is a lot of outdoor queue. All right. Next thing I didn't know, and I'd heard this, but experiencing it was really cool. Just the way they handle characters in Disneyland is so much better. I'll, I'll give Disneyland that. Baby Castle character meetups, much better. You just don't see a ton of characters like we do in Disney World um, inside in buildings hidden almost waiting to be met. Um, And I understand there's heat. There's also the ability to have multiple characters met, you know, um, at a time if they're kind of behind closed doors. But it's just really cool in Disneyland to be different places and just spot the characters out. And a line will form wherever they are that you can join if you want to. But there's not a ton of, you know, scheduled time, scheduled places. There are for some, but it's really nice just to kind of walk upon a character. I know for us, it was super cool in Avengers Campus just to, you know, walk up and, oh, there's Captain America. And, oh, is that Thor walking through the middle of the road? And we got to meet Loki because he just kind of popped up and we were one of the first ones to hop in line for that. So I just love how they do the characters out there. They just... They just seem to be out and about so much more and you can just kind of happen upon them and it makes for some really special interactions as well. Okay, the last thing on my 10 things I didn't know list, this is a big one and I'm not sure how I missed this, but it really did kind of put a little kink in our plans. And had I have known it, I definitely would have made changes. Everything else, I feel like you can get around it. There's backup plan. This, you want to know it. And that is the fact that on nights, I think specifically with fireworks, I don't think they do this with the projections, just on weekend nights when they're having fireworks or like a special event. Um, Toontown and parts of Fantasyland close down really 
early. So here's what happened to us and how we kind of figured this out. So we were on a Friday night back in Toontown, our first time to really explore that. Um, And we rode Roger Rabbit. We went over and waited in line for the Chippendale Gadget Coaster. And while we're in that line, which didn't have Genie Plus, it was one of the longest lines we stood in actually and it's probably a 30 second ride um my daughter like has to go to the bathroom and we're not leaving line but like we know as soon as the ride is over like we've got to run to a bathroom so i'm looking up in the app where the closest one is there's one in toontown right when we get off so we get off the ride i like pick her up we're running to the bathroom i go to open the door and it's locked I'm like, what is going on? And there's a cast member like across from the bathroom, like those are closed. You're going to have to go into fantasy land and come to find out like all of Toontown is closed. No one else can get in lines for rides. All the bathrooms and characters like everything is gone and closed. And I'm like, what is going on? The park is open till midnight. This is like eight. 20 8 30 and so we leave toontown we go to a bathroom and then my daughter had wanted to ride alice in wonderland which is in fantasy land behind the castle so that's another thing no genie plus we're just gonna have to wait it out so we go to stand in that line and there's a cast member with it like blocked off and so at this point i ask like what is going on and she said A lot of those rides back there close um, for fireworks and we could expect them to open back up about 10 o'clock or so. So that was, like I said, was something I had completely missed. It shut down a large portion of the park for us and some different things, you know, we were kind of planning to do because fireworks, you know, aren't set to start until about nine o'clock. So this is 30 minutes before we're not line up as soon as the fireworks start people, as I shared. So we're trying to get on a few more rides. So then we kind of switched gears. I think we went and did um, Big Thunder and then kind of found a spot for the fireworks because we had a lightning lane waiting for that. But yeah, so that's just something to be aware of on those fireworks nights. I'm guessing it's a safety thing. I didn't ask why. Um, But yeah, they're closing down parts of Disneyland Park um, in order to do that. Now, I do know for World of Color over at Disney California Adventure, I believe they shut down the Mickey Ferris wheel. I know that's not the name of it. But Incredicoaster, I'm pretty sure, was still going. But there are a few things over in the Pixar Pier area that may shut down as well. Um, So that was a big difference because they don't do that in Disney world. Um, And that, like I said, kind of threw a bit of a wrench in our plans. I would have tried to get back to some of those areas earlier had I known they were going to be closing down. Alrighty, friends, that is the 10 things that surprised me. Didn't know from my research about Disneyland. So hopefully if you are getting out there, these can just be little tips to kind of fill in those gaps so you will be in the know. But as always, I thank you so much for listening in. Would love to connect with you over on Instagram at Mountains of Magic, on Facebook at Fantastical Vacations by Danielle with one L, or you can email me at Danielle Robbins at FantasticalVacations.com. 
And I would love to help you with planning your Disney World, Disneyland, Universal, any cruise lines or all inclusives, wherever you want to go. Start that planning process with me early. If you want to use my services, I need to be the person to book for you, but that comes at no cost to you. So let's start planning out that dream vacation. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a magical day. Bye-bye. 